Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Sideline Dribblers podcast. I'm your host, John Guarna, and joining me, as always, my co-host, NBL One North coach, Braden Hesselhurst. Braden, another exciting week of hoops past. We got a day break, and we're recording this on Wednesday night, but right back into it tomorrow with some more NBL Cup action. Yeah, mate, it's been a, a massive past week, the start of the NBL Cup also, which is... Um be really good to watch uh, consistent basketball. So it's, uh, it's been exciting and, and plenty to, to sort of cover. Lots to talk about. Let's kick things off, though, because the injury bug has hit and there are some significant implications in particular for Cairns and the New Zealand Breakers. Majok Deng with the injury, he, I believe he tore a ligament in his knee uh, and is expected to be out for about six weeks. And then for the Breakers, import Lamar Patterson has a ligament sprain, and they expect him to be out three to four weeks. What do you think that does for the Taipans and the Breakers? Yeah, well, I think it's probably more uh, of a danger for for the Cairns Taipans, to be honest. I think, um, you know, even though they lost uh, the other day to, to Melbourne United, I think, They've started to play some better basketball. I, I know I've said that they're. I think they're done already, which I still think they do. But I think this sort of, you know, puts another nail in the coffin, so to speak, for them. I think they started to play really well, and I think after the first few games, Majok Dang's been one of their better players or more consistent players, to be honest. Um, you know, averaging 11 points a game, shooting, you know, almost 50% from the field and 33% from. Um, beyond the arc and uh, he's really big for them in that sort of four spot stretch four spot so um, I think it probably affects them more than than the breakers I think the breakers are obviously struggling anyway um, at the moment sitting at one and five and I think they've really struggled with that balance between the Webster brothers you know running the show and Lamar Patterson given his history in the NBL and being an all NBL first team the last two seasons and um, been a superstar in this league, but he's obviously come in out of shape and it hasn't been great to, to start the year. And, you know, his, his numbers haven't been too great either. You know, 10.8 points a game, um, only shooting at a 22% from the three-point line and 36% overall. So he's been struggling. So I think, if anything, there might be a bit of a benefit for the Breakers. You know, if you look at last year uh, when Dan Shamir had the success with the Breakers towards the end of the season, it was when um, sorry, Corey Webster went overseas and the rest of the guys could have the ball more and all that sort of stuff. So um, I think this might be a sort of similar situation for the Breakers. I think you know, this will allow the Webster brothers, in particular Ty, um, to run the show and, and, and it might be a benefit for them. But I think for Cairns, it's going to be really tough to get any sort of momentum going with another um, you know big player out. And, and they've replaced him with, with a guard in Tad for my so it's going to be really um, you know a struggle for them I think so yeah in, in all I think it's a, it's a big blow for the Cairns type ends and it may be a uh, blessing in disguise for New Zealand I'm going to play devil's advocate and think and say that uh, as much as Patterson has struggled and New Zealand has struggled as as a whole I really do think that the Patterson injury is uh, going to be a devastating blow because to me it seemed as though they were really reliant on him becoming the player that the NBL has seen over the last couple of seasons. And it kind of felt as though as a group they were expecting it to happen and uh, it just hadn't happened yet. I know Corey Webster is coming back from the injury. Ty Webster has been producing pretty well. Uh, I wonder if they 
will take it as a chance to start new or if they'll just put their heads down and th- and say, you know, can this season present any more challenges than it already has considering we're playing away from home for an entire season. We can't see our friends. We can't see our family and, and, and living on the road for months at a time. Is this the, is this potentially the, the nail in the coffin for the breaker season? Yeah. I mean, it is a huge blow. You know, you look at it, Rob Lowe obviously went back to New Zealand as well with, um, you know, some personal reasons and stuff like that. So that's a huge blow for them as well. Um, but I, I think it sort of balances their roster out a little bit. You know, we've spoken about how we think they had sort of those two plotters in their big guys in Rob Lowe and Colton Iverson. I think, you know, now I think Colton Iverson sort of serves a purpose because he's the only person in that sort of role. And, and he had a massive game with, with, a, with a massive rebound count um, the other day as well. So he, he played better. But I think, if you watch the last couple of games, you know, I have the highest opinion of Lamar Patterson out of anyone. I think, you know, he's led New Zealand to their only win of the season, the one up in Cairns. So, but I, I, I can just see throughout their games some frustration between Patterson, Ty, um, you know, and some other players. And I, I don't know whether that's just, like you said, the season and everything that's going against them, um, you know, having to be over here away from family and all that sort of stuff, not playing any home games and everything. But I think they're really struggling with that balance, you know, between um, Lamar Patterson running the show and Ty, who's shooting more than 20 shots a game. Um, so, you know, I just think with that, I think it takes that element of frustration out now that Lamar Patterson's gone. You know, he, he wasn't in great shape in that as well. Um, which obviously wouldn't have helped his, you know, chances of injury. I think, you know, that's a that's a big blow. I think, you know, going forward, you probably need to be in a bit better shape to give yourself the best chance to to go forward and, and have a healthy season and everything like that. But that aside, I think, you know, it gives, you know, a clear sort of pecking order now that it's the Webster brothers and the guys around that, um, and that's how they're going to play. So, you know, if anything, it... it, it you know, I think their season's probably done anyway, but it gives them sort of a license to, especially Ty Webster, who's a young star, to sort of run the show and, and, and see how he can do that going forward. So um, that's why I think it's a, a blessing in disguise. I, I think I've seen some sort of tension rising between those guys and everything. But, um, you know, obviously they're dealing with a lot, like you said. So um, could be a blessing in disguise. But, uh, yeah, you know, you're losing a massive player in, in Lamar Patterson as well. And if we look at the can side of things, Deng has been playing uh, an increasingly important role for Cairns. As you mentioned, they are certainly improving, uh, although they did lose the game to United the other night in, in disappointing fashion. But uh, And to replace him with a guard, I think, is a struggle for, for me unless Duffelmeyer can come in and start to hit some shots from the outside, which is where I think they, they may need some of that consistent shooting, I guess. But to lose someone like Deng, who had become a fairly consistent performer for the team and was certainly a key part of their rotation, to me, that's that's probably the bigger blow, I think, um, if if Kansas was going to get back on track because the team seemed to start to, to gel and, and starting to head in the right direction. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think just as far as their team dynamics as well, the way they play, you know, with so much, you know, heavy pick and roll between... Scott Machado and Cam Oliver. Cam Oliver's allowed to play that sort of diving role and, you know, play above the rim with those you know, consistent connections that they have between Machado, you know, throwing lobs to, to Cam Oliver. But he has that space 
because Majok Dang is playing the four spot and able to shoot the ball so well. You know, we've seen in in games. I know, I remember one game up here against the Bullets. You know, he hit three in the first quarter, and you know he might not hit any for the rest of the game, but that just opens the game up for Cam Oliver and Scott Machado. And I think, you know, we've seen some adjustments in their lineup that I think, you know, I, I'll go back. I'll, I'll play. Uh, uh, be on myself a little bit here, but I tweeted about it early in the season. Um, I saw some good signs out of Jordan Nartai early on, and I really liked the move, putting him in the starting lineup and bringing Mirko Jerick off the bench. You know, both guys have been really good. Jordan Nartai's hit some shots consistently in that starting role, and Mirko's been good off that bench as well, being able to knock down shots and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, when you when you go have a guy like Majok Dang who just opens everything up for you offensively, uh, especially for your two superstars, he's now gone, you know. And now, now, what do you do? Do you, um, you do you, you have to play Fabian Krislovich more, who can hit the three, but hasn't been shooting the ball well this season at all. Um, you know, can you play Nate Jawai more at the five? That means you're playing Cam Oliver at the four, which doesn't open things up as much, and um, your spacing goes down. So, I think just as far as the team dynamics, I think it really impacts the Cairns Taipans, who, as we mentioned, have looked pretty good in the last couple of games, despite the loss to. Melbourne United. Well, let's hope uh, those teams can handle the injuries, and let's hope those two guys get back healthy and uh, they can they can get back on the court sooner rather than later. Let's don't, move don't on. Forget, don't, oh, don't, don't, don't forget the uh, the absence of Jarrell Martin. I'm not I'm unsure how long he's going to be out for um, at the moment as well. But you know that's a big out for the Sydney Kings, and and I think you know the rumor has been. I, I heard um, them mention on the commentary that. Um, David Anderson might be filling that spot, which would be, I think, an awesome move for, for the Sydney Kings, who are a bit um, lacking in the depth in the big man um, department without Gerald Martin. So hopefully he can get healthy soon um, because he's a great player, as we've spoken about on previous podcasts. But it'd be awesome to see David Anderson back in the lineup as well. It would be pretty cool. And speaking of the Sydney Kings, one of the topics we haven't really touched on because we've t- talked about uh, player or MVP of the season earlier on a-, a few weeks ago. We've also talked about rookie of the year, but we haven't really talked about coach of the year, and there's a few coaching candidates that jump out at you. One of them happens to be the Sydney Kings coach. Is Adam Ford in the box seat for coach of the year? Well, well I think if they, if they can um, really – sort of stay around this, um, you know, edge of the finals mark. They're sitting at four and five in sixth spot at the moment, but they've got a couple of games in hand, um, you know, on on Adelaide and Southeast Melbourne who are above them. Uh, but they've got some key wins. I know they had a really impressive win over Adelaide um, a couple of days ago, just lost to um, Perth yesterday. Um, so they've been really good. But the, the most impressive thing that we've mentioned you know, when we spoke to Brad Newley and, and in previous episodes was just how many people they have out. You know, you look at it, they've got Xavier Cooks goes down early. They've had Daniel Kickett out, who only just returned. Didi Lazard has been out for, for a lot of those games. Angus Glubb has been out. Um, you know, so they've had a lot of injuries uh, and, and been really sort of, um, you know, struck for depth, you know, in Adam Ford's first year. Um, but he's done really well. Casper Ware's obviously been really impressive. Uh, I think other guys have stepped up. Obviously, DJ Pasevic has been really good. I think Jordy Hunt has been really good after a year where he didn't have much of an impact last year. But just the way they've been able to battle and um, you know not have any massive losses and just be in every game uh, and get some key wins to sort of stay in this finals race before they get people back. And I think 
you know, if they can get more and more guys back and, and get some key wins along the way, I think they'll uh, earn their way into the top four um, possibly. And I think if they do that, Adam Ford is definitely, for me, a coach of the year candidate, or sorry, the top candidate. I think, you know, the one who he'll be battling it out with will probably be Brian Gorgian, the way he's been able to put this new roster together and do so well early on. You know, you look at Melbourne, Dean Vickerman, you know, the coach of the year normally doesn't go to the team that has the most stacked roster and does well because everyone sort of predicts that. So um, for me, going forward, if Sydney are able to get into that top four around that mark, um, you know, it's between Adam Ford and Brian Gorgian for me, but he's doing a, a hell of a job so far in his first year after being an assistant for so long. I mean, you can talk about Adam Ford, and the, the, he is doing an amazing job in Gorgian. I'm just going to throw another couple of names out there. Connor Henry, I think Adelaide is performing above everyone's expectations, and they're right in the hunt at, at this point in time. And then let's also talk about Trevor Gleeson. Everyone ri- wrote Perth off, and, but lo and behold, they're still right up there in, in that finals position. So uh, just like most of the other awards, it will be a hotly contested one. But I'm with you. Adam Ford's been really impressive. Uh, and those other coaches that I've mentioned as well. I want to move on to the next topic, though, and it is those Adelaide 36ers. They can't really seem to find a consistent level of play. They look absolutely amazing coming into Brisbane and destroy, really blowing the bullets off the floor. Then they go back home, and they get blown away by the bullets. Then the, the, then you follow it up this week with a couple of mixed bag results as well. What's the what's the go with this Adelaide 36ers team, and where's the the consistency? I have no idea, mate. I, I watch them. <laughs> I watch them one game, as you mentioned, and they look, to be frank, really, really horrible. Um, you know the games they've lost. You know we spoke about um, the Bullets game where the Bullets bounced back down in Adelaide and and pumped Adelaide down there. Uh, but a couple of days earlier, they looked like world beaters up here against the Bullets and dismantled them up here. So, uh, And then you look at the other day against the Sydney Kings, they, they looked terrible again. You know, they last time they played Sydney, they only scored 75 points. This time they only scored 77 and, and just really poor defensively as well. Um, and then they bounced back with a massive win over Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, who had a really good win over the Bullets. Um, and really took care of Southeast Melbourne Phoenix relatively easily, especially in that fourth quarter. Um, you know, I think it, I think it's just things with their lineup. I think um, Josh Giddy obviously running the point. I think you'll have natural inconsistencies with him being so young, but he's been an absolute star. Um, Isaac Humphreys has been really good. I, I think for me, it relies on um, Daniel Johnson. I think there's been a couple of games where he's been kept quiet as well. Um, and there's been a couple of games where he's been less than impressive defensively. I think, you know, some people have put up some clips of the game the other day against the Sydney Kings, and in pick-and-roll coverage, he was really ordinary, and I think, um, you know, a, a lot of the how Adelaide goes is how DJ goes. I think if he can hold his end up defensively and knock down some shots um, around Isaac Humphreys and around Josh Giddy and those other guys chipping in well, I, I think they can get more consistency, but... To me, it's just, yeah, the, 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 the games they struggle, they look really ordinary defensively, and I think they look really ordinary offensively as well. I think the games they lose, they, they really struggle to score, and I, I think it's a, you know, we spoke about it earlier in the season, it's an it's a execution issue, it's a shot selection issue, uh, and when teams really dial in on, you know, their bigs, um, I don't think they have much offensively. 
Um, you know, yeah, got Brandon Paul coming in after the NBL Cup, which should help. But, um, you know, it's really been a story of Jekyll and Hyde at the moment because, like you said, Johnny, they look really poor one minute and then impressive the next. So, um, you know, even though they're in fourth right now and they've got some key wins, I think they need more consistency if they're going to make the playoffs. But what do you think, Johnny? Because you watch them just as much as me and it's quite frustrating sometimes to watch the Adelaide 36ers. Well, I think it, it, it you hit the nail on the head, the fact that uh, I think it's a new-ish group when you think about their starting five uh, Isaac Humphreys coming into the group, Josh Giddy playing his first professional season. Um, you know, you did have the change-up with Sloan leaving as well, someone who they were reliant upon to come in and provide a lot of offensive firepower. So to me, it's not uh, typically a, a surprise that they're struggling uh, offensively to find the consistency. I think for me where uh, the the opportunities to improve are certainly – as a group coming together, it's a new head coach as well. So understanding the concepts, getting all of that down, learning each other, learning your tendencies, learning your strengths and weaknesses, and that that will come throughout the season. I think if you said that Adelaide would have six wins out of 11 games uh, in the preseason, people would have laughed at you. So like I said, I think they're exceeding expectations, and I think uh, they do have to find a bit more consistency, but I think it will come – it's going to be interesting, though, when they introduce Brandon Paul to the group as well because that's going to be another new face to add to the group who needs to get up to speed, who won't have all of these games to, to build his familiarity with uh, Coach Henry and the rest of his teammates. But, Braden, we talk about consistency with the Adelaide 36ers, the team that is the model of consistency in the NBL over the last, what, 30 years is the Perth Wildcats. And we're really lucky to be joined right now by Perth Wildcats guard Mitch Norton. Mitch, thank you so much for chatting to us tonight. No dramas at all. Mitch, uh, I have been asking this question quite consistently. You've been around the league for a long time. You've been playing basketball for a really long time. Uh, what's this season been like in comparison to all the other seasons that you've played in professional basketball? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been probably one of the most challenging ones, that's for sure. Um, I think, you know, just the preparation uh, has actually been pretty good. Um, obviously, one of the longest preseasons in basketball history, I'm sure. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only player to say that. But, um, no, I think it's, it's just one of those things, you know, being told to pack up and you could leave at any moment, uh, any moment's notice. So um, I think a lot of those things have been very challenging, both uh, for me as an individual and I guess as a leader of this team as well. It's, uh, it has been quite a tough year. And Mitch, you guys um, obviously beat Sydney yesterday, but have sort of struggled for consistency a bit uh, early in the seasons. What's been the sort of areas that, you guys have been happy with and some areas that have sort of led to that consistent uh, inconsistency that you think um, you guys can improve on going forward? Yeah, I think um, some somewhat of that has to do with um, just the age of our guys. Uh, we do have a very young group and, you know, we've got Luke Travis there as, you know, starting in the four spot who's, you know, quite a young guy and, and really just trying to put his stamp on his, you know, great career I'm sure he has ahead of him. So, um, a little bit comes with just, you know, the age and inexperience. Um, but I think the last couple of games, uh, I think we've really taken some big steps in the right direction as far as how we want to play and uh, the intensity we want to play with. And I think it um, doesn't matter who's out there on the floor. We have 
you know, faith in, in everyone going out there and playing their role to the best of their abilities. And I think um, the last couple of games have shown that. Um, by picking up two wins in a row, hopefully means, you know, we're, we're taking steps in, in, like I said, the right direction. Mitch, you mentioned the last couple of games, and, and you personally seem to have been a lot more aggressive over the last few games, uh, in particular trying to get to, to the rim and trying to look for your shot. Is that something that you picked up early in the season that you, you knew you were going to have to step off offensively for the group? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, when you play alongside someone like Bryce Cotton, um, you're fully aware that he's going to, you know, demand a lot of attention and, and, you know, rightly so. So, um, I guess, you know, for me, it's just coming in and, you know, trying to, to get to areas that I'm, you know, really comfortable with on the floor and, you know, attacking the paint is something that, you know, I've, I've done for a, for a long period of time. And I think, um, just, you know, shooting the three with confidence as well. And I know a lot of the guys in the team, um, you know, have confidence in me and shooting that ball. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, I haven't shot a great so far this year, but um, I'm sure that'll turn around. Hey, talk to us about um, John Mooney, obviously a, a newbie in the group this year. And, um, you know, I saw some people calling for his head after a couple of preseason games, but he's made them guys look like fools in, in the season so far, been really impressive and had a massive game yesterday with 30 points and 18 rebounds. Talk to us about him joining the group and how well he's fit in and everything like that. Yeah, he's he's been amazing. Um, you know, a lot of guys seem to, you know, somewhat struggle out of college or, you know, the numbers aren't quite as good, uh, you know, when they step into their first pro contract or, or pro gig. But, um, you know, I think everything that John has done, um, you know, the nose for the ball, um, you know, he's a rebounding machine. So um, that's something that Trev did say, you know, numbers and things like that in college can be a little misleading, but, um, yeah, you know, I think someone that rebounds the ball that well, uh, I think he's going to have a, a, a very good career and a very lengthy one, um, you know, just for the sheer fact that he rebounds the ball. Uh, it's extremely valuable to us here in Perth. Obviously, we've been blessed over the last couple of years to have, you know, someone like Nick Kay and, and Miles Plumley as well who can just clean the glass. But, um, you know, to, to obviously have John aboard now is is fantastic and, and offensively, you know, he's, he's fine in his spots and, and um, I think that was probably the biggest thing for us was, was learning, you know, where to get in the ball and, and how he wants it and, and I think, you know, we've grown as a group over the last couple of games to, you know, find him in the right spots and then, you know, as you saw on uh, whenever the, whatever day we played, um, Tuesday I think it was against Sydney, um, you know, I think he is extremely comfortable in those mid-range areas and, you know, everyone says, you know, statistics and things like that. It's not a great shot, but, um, you know, how well he can shoot the ball in those areas. I think we're quite happy with him shooting them. Mitch, I want to ask you a personal question. Um, you've been out in Perth for a few years now. Are you now representing Western Australia or are you still considering yourself a Queenslander? <laughs> Definitely a Queenslander, mate, without a doubt. Um, right. I was just many, checking. Played too many years. Played too many years in Queensland for me not to be a Queenslander. I, I just wanted to, to make sure <laughs> where your loyalty lays. I'm glad that you answered correctly because I, I know you have uh, you've you've got uh, quite a few more Queenslanders out there with you now. Uh, it's almost like uh, Queensland West. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And uh, yeah, you know, a couple from North Queensland, uh, myself, Clint, and Todd, and. 
And then you also got Jared Besto from Brizzy as well. So, um, yeah, there is a lot of Queenslanders, and, um, you know, I'm never going to be angry about that, that's for sure. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you answered that way, Mitch. We were gonna. We were gonna have to check your identification next time you stepped into the state uh, if you didn't answer that way. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I bet, bet your pesto's been a uh, pain in the ass too, mate. Eh? <laughs> I'll tell you what, he has been, man. His uh, his screens and seals at the rim. Um, yeah, he, he's been very, very good for us. Uh, and I think you know that last game just shows. Um, you know that he that he's quite capable of playing at this level, and, and probably has been for a number of years. And I'm I'm really glad that he did get his shot because um, yeah, we were teammates at under twenties, and and you know we've known each other for a very long time. So um, it, it's fantastic to see him really you know grabbing this opportunity and running with it. And um, yeah, he's he's a very strong man. So I do appreciate when he's on my team. That's for sure. Mitch. And you've, you've been at a, a number of clubs now, obviously, Mitch, but, um, you know, being a part of such a successful club that's been in the playoffs, you know, for 34 years straight, won multiple championships. What what makes, you know, we hear so much about it, but what makes Perth different to every other club? Yeah, I think it, it's that, um, it is that expectation. Um, you know, you are you know, required to come in and, and get better, and it doesn't matter at what stage of your career you're at. Um, I think Perth do a great job of, you know, giving you, um, you know, all the tools to improve. Um, like I said, it doesn't matter how old you are. Um, you know, on days off, you've got Jesse Wagstaff in there shooting. Um, you know, someone who's been around the league for a very long time and has had a lot of success. So I think for new guys coming into the club, you know, you go in on a day off, whether it's do get treatment or whatever, and you look down and you see Wags down on the floor shooting and you're like, Man, like that's that's what this club's about, and I think, um, yeah, we're, we're very blessed to have, obviously Jesse and and you know I've played alongside Damo and Greg Hire and those types of guys who have you know really laid a foundation for this club, and I think it's it's something pretty cool to be a part of. That's for sure. Mitch, uh, the NBL Cup is a new concept. Obviously, we know that you guys have been in Victoria for a little while, but. What's the cup experience been like? I know it's only a week into it, but you're playing a lot of basketball. How's the team adjusting to that consistent game schedule? Uh, and and really, it, it's a lot. It, there, there's a lot of expectations on you to deliver uh, and play quite a few games. Yeah, there is. Um, obviously, it's it's every player's dream to play uh, more games than train. Uh, and I think you know we're finally getting to live that out. So um, it ha- it has been a little challenging, obviously. You know, being told to pack your bags and you can leave within the next 24 hours. And at that stage, we had no idea where we were going. Um, it was going to, you know, we were meant to go to Melbourne straight away, but then we couldn't get in. So we had to go to Sydney for a couple of days and then from Sydney to Melbourne. And, um, you know, we're in full quarantine. So, you know, we weren't allowed to do much. And um, so it, it has been challenging. Um, but, yeah, I think the Cup's the cups a pretty cool idea. Um Ideally, you know, we are just solely focused on wins and losses because that's, that's, you know, what's going to carry us through to the end of the season. So, um, you know, it, it is a pretty cool concept and, and I, I like how, you know, engaged the fans are with the, the points per quarter and everything like that. I think it's, it's a nice little change. And Mitch, it, it seems like every year uh, Perth is sort of written off at, at the start and always prove people wrong. And it, it seems the same thing this year, obviously, um, you know, with a bit of a different roster and, and those sort of things, people 
you know, writing you guys off early in the season. But, um, you know, we know better than that. But is that something you guys talk about or think about at all? I know Bryce seems to speak about it when he, you know, makes a big play or, you know, things like that towards the end of the season. But do you guys sort of think about or talk about those things at all? Um, to be honest, like in, in our, you know, inner sanctum, we, we really don't talk about it much. Um, we just come out and treat every day, uh, whether it's, you know, we're training for an hour on court because it's a, a shorter session because we may have a game the next day or, or we're out there in preseason and we're going for two and a half, three hours. We really do treat that, that session as if it's game five of the grand final series. So, you know, no matter what pressure situation we're faced with, um, you know, hopefully we've, we've done that in the preseason and our preparation uh, throughout the week. So I think, you know, that's something that we focus on. Um, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what's in the newspapers or what's on Facebook and Twitter. You know, we don't buy into any of that stuff. It's, it's all about our group. And that's something that I've probably been, um, you know, most, uh, I guess, impressed with and, and love about, I guess, this organization is, when you do go on a rocky, rocky patch, which you know almost every year I've been a part of this club, um, we have done at some stage. Uh, there's nobody that sits there and points fingers. It's everyone asks, well, "What can I do to help this group?" And um, yeah, I think that's when you've got a whole bunch of guys buying in like that. Um, it makes, I guess, this time away from our families and friends uh, a little bit easy because it, it really is, I guess, a brotherhood. Mitch, you guys have uh, an old rival uh, for you in Cairns uh, coming up this week. I have two questions for you. First off, uh, as a former Townsville boy, do you still hate Cairns as much as you always have? Uh, and second <laughs> of all, what do you think of the Taipans and the matchup with the Taipans? Well, I'll answer the second second <laughs> question first. Um, yeah, I think, you know, they're extremely talented. Um, you know, even though they lost DJ, uh, Newball, I think, you know, they've got a number of guys that can step up and, and fill his shoes. And I think, you know, they can score in a lot of positions. Obviously, Cam Oliver is one hell of a, a cover on the pick and roll. And then you've got someone like Machado that can pretty much dime anyone up from anywhere on the floor. So um, I think anytime those two are on a team, uh, you know, you know, you're going to be in, a, in for a battle. And I think, um, you know, our semi final series against them last year was. An absolute dogfight. So, um, yeah, we, we know what we're in for. And um, as a Townsville kid, uh, <laughs> I had plenty of rivals uh, and plenty of good battles against uh, Cairns, starting in under-12s and all the way through to, you know, QBL and, um, yeah, and then into the NBL. So I really do look forward to these battles. And, um, yeah, it, it's one that I kind of circle out, that's for sure. All right, so the hatred's still there. That's good. I'm glad we <laughs> clarified that. <laughs> no, it's, it's tough. It's tough because I mean you got Mike Kelly there as well, who's uh, someone that that really helped me out a lot um, along my journey, and, and a close friend in Mirko Jerick as well. So it's uh, it's always a good battle against them, and I look forward to it. And, and last question, Mitch. Um, you know we hear so much, and you know there's so much hype, obviously around Bryce Cotton. He's been an absolute superstar in this league since he's been here, but. Um, just talk to us about what it's like to, to play with someone like that and, um, you know, just how he's been able to make such big plays at big moments and um, just him as a player. Yeah, I think, you know, he's everyone's seen it, you know, time and time again. And um, I know playing against him for, you know, a couple of years, it was like, man, this guy, like, this guy's pretty good. But um, it's not until you, you see him do it day in, day out, 
every session at training that you're like, wow, this guy is on a complete another level. Um, I think the, the thing that tipped me over the edge was, uh, was you know, we just had our break after COVID, so no one had really touched a basketball for, you know, a good couple of months. And then, you know, some of us started getting back into routine and, you know, we're doing indies and we're starting to scrimmage and we still haven't seen Bryce yet. So, you know, there's three, maybe four months gone and then, First session back, he's like, all right, well, do you want to play like some one-on-one? And I'm like, okay, this might be my chance. Like, <laughs> I might be able to get him here. But um, he was still hitting things like he was in game three of the grand final series and he, he hadn't touched a basketball for four months. And I was like, yeah, wow, this guy is uh, very, very special. So, um, I mean, it's fantastic to play with someone so talented um, and, and so unselfish. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll back you all the way and, um, you know, fill you with confidence. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love playing alongside Bryce. And, um, yeah, it's 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 extremely um, – I like, words can't explain how it is to play alongside someone so great. So um, I love it, and hopefully we can keep things rolling. Well, Mitch, we know that uh, it's a bit later down in Victoria, so we will let you go, but we just want to take the time to thank you so much for chatting with us tonight, giving us some great insight, and uh, letting us know that that game against Kansas is definitely a must-watch on Friday night. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. That's Mitch Norton from the Perth Wildcats. Mitch, best of luck Friday and for the rest of the season. Cheers, guys. Braden, that was awesome. Mitch uh, obviously gives us some great insight to the Perth Wildcats as as an organization, and they really are rolling into form. Yeah, they are. You know, we've spoken about their sort of inconsistent start to the year, but the last couple of games, they, um, you know, look really good. And I think that the biggest thing was, you know, yesterday when they beat Sydney Kings, Sydney Kings played really well, um, you know, and you, you need to be able to get those ugly wins, and it's probably something that, they hadn't been able to do in the season so far and they were able to pull that one out. So um, I think they're definitely moving forward. And as we've spoken about, no matter what their roster looks like, they're, they're definitely not to be counted out. So, um, you know, they will be a, a, a force to, to be reckoned with going forward for sure. Currently sitting on third spot. I played seven games, four wins, three losses. Uh, but coming into that game against Cairns on, on Friday night off the back of two wins, Cairns with that Majok Deng injury, uh, but that matchup with Cotton and Machado is going to be awesome and just a really good matchup. I think people are still sleeping on cans. I'm not fully ready to write those guys off. It's I think done, mate. It's done. I can't. I can't do it. I just can't. I just can't. I think they just have so much talent uh, in in that team, and they seem to be getting there. They they're almost there. I feel it. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on from that one. The the game uh, th- Thursday night, you've got Sydney taking on New Zealand. Uh, I was going to ask your opinion, but I'm pretty confident that you're going to be tipping Sydney in that one. Yeah, and I think that's a massive game for Sydney. I think, you know, as we've spoken about, they've been able to stay around that sort of top four mark um, while they've got these injuries. But if they want to be, you know, a top four team, they've got to take care of teams like this. So this is a massive one for the Kings, and, um, you know, I expect them to take care of it. 
The other game, Thursday night, is Adelaide and Melbourne. United, I thought they were a chance to go undefeated. A few people laughed at me. and no. uh, I just, I don't know, I, I got really Never excited happened. that first game where the bench guys played and they delivered. McDaniel had a good game and they were getting contributions from Udoi Baba. And I'm thinking, man, this is awesome. These guys might have a chance and then they go and lose to, to Perth. Um, but uh, that game against Adelaide is, is an interesting matchup. I'm really looking forward to see Humphreys and Landau match up in that one. Yeah, that'll be a big one. I think uh, Melbourne will look to bounce back after a pretty, um, you know, they, they beat, um, who, who they beat? They, they beat, sorry, sorry, Cairns the other day, but they weren't, you know, very impressive in that game. And then obviously they lost the game before to Perth. So I think um, Dean Vickerman will have his guys ready to ready to go against Adelaide. And um, for me, they'll take care of that one pretty easily. I think, you know, Adelaide, as we hit, we've, talked about have shown that Jekyll and Hyde and I think this will be one of those um, disappointing uh, games for them so I think uh, Melbourne United easily in that one yeah, and I love the way that Mitch McCarron and Udai Baba are playing. The opportunity and the minutes there, the responsibilities to put the ball in the basket with Goulding out. Uh, and both of those guys have really embraced that opportunity and, and run with it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I really want to see Mitch McCarron step up in that sort of role. I think he's um, can be a, you know an absolute star in this league. And I think going forward, you know, him playing that point guard role, I think he's going to have to be, um, you know, aggressive in, in some spurts as well. So this is a, a good chance for him to get that confidence going to sort of get rolling as they, you know, lead into the later stages of the season. Friday, we talked about Perth and Cairns, I'm sure. I, I, I didn't get a tip, but I don't think I need to because you said Cairns is done. So obviously you're picking Perth in that one. And and Mitch uh, Norton was with us earlier, so I'm sure you wouldn't go against him now that he's not with us. Nah, Perth easily in that one. For sure. The other one, though, is uh, Brisbane versus Illawarra, which was a couple of great matchups early to start the season when Illawarra came up here uh, to Brisbane and, and took two from the Bullets. But speaking to a few of the Bullets guys, they felt like they should have gotten at least one of those games. Illawarra, after the hot start, has kind of come back down a little bit. What do you like in this matchup? I think it's going to be a really exciting game because those first two Bullets-Hawks games were great games. Yeah, they, they were. But I think, um, you know, Illawarra were missing a couple of players as well. And I think, you know, they've had a couple of disappointing performances, but they've always bounced back. And, you know, they bounced back the other day really well. Um, you know, in this game, this weekend's sort of huge for the Bullets, I think. I think it's make a break for them this weekend. They've got two two games that they can win, obviously, against the Hawks and then later on against Cairns, sitting at three and five. To me, they need to get both if they're going to be serious about um, being a top four contender. So, um, Brisbane need to get that one, but I'm still tipping the Hawks. Yeah, and we didn't mention, but Jason Gadee did, did pick up a bit of an injury in the Bullets last game. Uh, hopefully he'll be okay to play. They really need him in that lineup. I, I know he's been coming off the bench a bit, and they've inserted Tanner Krebs into the starting lineup, but to me, I think they might need to look consider bringing Gadee back into that starting lineup if he's healthy enough to play in that game against Illawarra. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, but that's Friday night. Let's talk about Saturday then. Uh, you ha- we only oh sorry, I thought we had the one game, but I'm looking at the schedule wrong. We've got Adelaide and New Zealand, and Melbourne and Sydney. Melbourne and Sydney should be a great game. It's always a big rivalry between those two clubs. Yeah, that's a cracker. Obviously, we'll skip over the game before. I think that'll be a bit of a letdown um, with the 36s and the Breakers. Um, but the United versus Kings, I think that's a massive game, especially where you know the Kings are building right now, and I think. Um, I think Shaili is expected back in that um, game on Saturday night. I, I saw today, so 
that'll be a big end for them. But but I'm actually tipping um, the Sydney Kings to get this one. I think with Melbourne's sort of you know struggles the last couple of games, even though they've they've split them, I, I think Sydney are building nicely, and I think um, you know they've been good enough defensively uh, in their wins to show me that they can um, contain Melbourne United. I think they'll they'll get that win against uh, Melbourne on Saturday night. Oh, tipping a bit of an upset there. I think uh, I like that game, though. I think that's probably one of the ones that really does jump out at me on the schedule uh, for this round. Let's look at Sunday now. And again, we did mention Brisbane and Cairns. They had probably the game of the season in, in Brisbane, where Brisbane won that one in in overtime. It was just clutch shot after clutch shot for both teams. I'm not sure if they'll be able to replicate that, but it is always a good game in that rivalry between Brisbane and Cairns. And then you've got Southeast Melbourne taking on the Illawarra Hawks, who have also had a, a pretty good matchup previously. Yeah, they have. And Southeast Melbourne have been the same as sort of Adelaide. They've been, you know, Jekyll and Hyde as well, sitting at five and five, and they've gone win-loss, win-loss, win-loss as well. So, um, you know, it depends. How, I think it depends on how they play. Oh, they haven't got another game earlier that week, so they, they come into this game fresh against the Illawarra team that would have played um, earlier on in the week. So uh, I expect Southeast Melbourne Phoenix to get this one just, and they did a really good job last um, time these two teams played in um, being able to sort of contain the Luara's offense and how high-powered high offense and stuff like that. So um, that'll be a good matchup. I think it'll be a high-scoring game, but I'm tipping the Phoenix in that one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's some really great matchups this week. And then, uh, obviously, after Sunday, that's the end of round seven, and we head into round eight next week. So that's going to wrap up this one. I did want to just quickly get your thoughts announced today. The Next Stars coming to the big screen, the Chosen Few. It's about that the Next Stars program with the NBL. Pretty interesting that there's going to be a film out there. I, I, I think that was a big surprise to a lot of people. No, no. I, I saw it. And, uh, the, the biggest surprise for me wasn't that there's a film being made I, I think the biggest surprise for me that it was going to be in cinemas. I thought yeah. it was, you know, yeah. going to be something that might be released on SBS or YouTube or something. But the fact that it's being shown in cinemas is pretty interesting, um, you know, for the NBL to have something like that. So it's a good opportunity for them to get some hype. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll go see it. So it looks pretty interesting. So I might get along and check it out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think we all kind of assume that uh, last year with Lamelo Ball, the cameras followed him everywhere. We just thought it was for his own stuff. But it's really cool to see that the NBL did this. Uh, and it's obviously not just Lamelo Ball, but RJ Hampton, Diddy Lozada, Terry Armstrong, and really that focus on, on the program last year. But uh, I, I'm definitely going to have a, have to have a look at that one too. It'll be some really interesting insights to to the mindset, to the approach of these young guys. And you can see that you know those those guys are having success, particularly LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton, earning some minutes, Diddy Lozada back here. And I think we're quite lucky to have him back here uh, in Australia again with the Sydney Kings. So uh, the Next Stars program has, has really shown to be uh, something, uh, a force to be reckoned with. Obviously, this year we've got two of them in Josh Giddy and Mojave King, and Giddy uh, is living up to expectations and probably exceeding them. And, and Justin and Jessup as well. Don't forget right. him. He's uh, really good, obviously, for the Hawks. So, um, yeah, re really good pickups again this year. And I think, um, you know, I think Andrew Bogut mentioned it on his podcast the other day. Um, sorry to advertise another podcast. While Don't be sorry. Here, it's all love, man. <laughs> um, but. Um, you know, he mentioned, like, it's probably their most successful thing the NBL has put in place since, you know, this group's taken over, to be honest. I think it's been um, a remarkable thing to do, and it's been a, a huge success and has given the NBL, um, you know, unprecedented exposure, especially overseas. So I think it's been 
massive for the league and a huge kudos goes to, to Jeremy and Larry for what they've been able to do with the program. Well, definitely get out there and have a look at that that documentary film if it's showing in your area. If you're at down a Hoyt's in near you, Johnny, what's that? <laughs> at a Hoyt's near you. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm I'm looking at it now to make sure that I can get to see this. Hopefully, I will. Uh, but it, it says it's playing at 13 cinemas across the country. So if you got the Hoyts near you and it's playing, definitely go support that. If you're down in Victoria, get out to a game. I mean, Braden. Imagine going to see two games back to back for ten bucks. I can't think of a better deal, honest to goodness. It costs you more to get into QBL or NBL one games, mate. So Well it might uh, cost or- you it might cost you more, coach, but I get in usually for free. I don't know about you. <laughs> now people come and pay to watch me coach, mate. So, of course. That's why it's so expensive. We gotta we gotta cover your salary, dog. <laughs> yeah, mate, but it's uh, it's awesome value as you know, Andrew Gay said it's it's probably the best value ticket. Uh, of any sort of sporting comp at the moment. So it's uh, it's huge, and um, make sure you get along and feel those stands. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I wish we were down in Victoria for this, but I'm enjoying watching it from up here in Queensland. I hope everyone's enjoying listening to the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Sideline Dribblers podcast with myself, John Warner, and Braden Hesselhurst. We'll see you all again next week.